This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Gohei hits a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise, here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live in the postseason. We've got a great show for you. We're heading to the Valley of the Sun. Our man, Luis Gonzalez, the World Series champion, the All-Star. Arguably, I would say top three, top five hits in the history of the postseason. I mean, if you talk about when it matters, when it counts, doing a game-winning hit against the greatest closer of all time in the World Series in 2001, truly one of the great moments in World Series history. I mean, Joe Carter's walk-off jack. And we could go through those at some point, but Luis Gonzalez, we all know him. We had him on recent. We've had him on now for years, ever since uh, Bob Melvin set up that relationship with us. He's going to join us from Chase Ballpark down there in in, in Arizona, and you're going to love this. We've got the new Jim Palmer on today. When you talk about sexy, when you talk about masculine, when you talk about Women want him. Men want to be like him. I mean, somebody has to replace Jim Palmer in the world of baseball. We have him today on the show. That is new underwear model. Gorgeous, sexy. Who's Fabio? Eno Saris will be on the program. I haven't seen this ad yet. but I You ha- haven't seen it? No, I, you guys were talking about it pre- uh, well, you know, earlier and. Now I'm gonna we, go. We taped them earlier. Yeah. Uh, well, theater. We are live. We're yeah. like the one streaming show that still goes live. Uh, I, I haven't seen it, but I heard you guys talking about it. So now I got to go home and YouTube it or Google it or wherever. Is you... that strange that we are like the one show that goes live? Everything else that you watch looks live, but it's taped. Yeah. Uh, tape to live, as they say, or live to tape. Unless some guys go live on, you know, there are some people, content creators that go live on, on, you know, Twitch and all that still, but. Um, some of the baseball Well, they'll shows. go live, but it's not a show where you say, hey, we're on at 1 o'clock. Yeah, they just go live whenever they want. They say, well, we'll, we'll go on when we want. No, we, this is a show. Um, so, Eno Saris, so last night, um, I'm going around Twitter, X, and Eno, his underwear commercial with the great Pudge Rodriguez, I get to see it. 
and it's hilarious. So Pudge Rodriguez is the former player, and he's in Eno's the baseball nerd. And they're both in underwear. And a lot of talk about balls. But it's balls. It's like an equation. They're using balls, but they're not really talking about baseballs. But maybe not about baseballs. And he's got these equations. But it's pretty funny. I don't know if it's complete. I know Eno put it out there. Maybe we can play it. But underwear model Eno Saris will be here today, along with former All-Star World Series champion, and World Series hero, Luis Gonzalez. Who's Fabio? It's who's Eno? Is that, <laughs> that's going to be the new thing. Who's Eno? <laughs> I have been struggling with this all night long. Because we called it yesterday. You knew it was going to happen. And this has nothing to do with the, really the outcome of the actual game. Because we all know the Astros are far better on the road than they are at home. They have absolutely dominated while being in Texas. And not Houston, Texas. That would be Arlington, Texas. Astros have won 17 of their last 23 uh, road playoff games dating back to 2009. Astros have won 7 of 8 at Globe Life Field. That's the ballpark in Arlington. They've outscored the Rangers in those eight games, 71-37. to Pretty good. Houston's offense, the last five games at Globe Life's hitting 369, 21 bombs, 59 RBIs. That's not their home park. That's the Rangers' home park. You think they like hitting there? 369 as a team, 21 jacks, 59 runs scored? Oh, That's I- incredible. All I kept hearing about over and over again is, well, I think Altuve's lost a step. Altuve's he's overmatching the series, doesn't have a hit. He's struggling, huh? You're yeah. making that up. Uh, yeah, I'm fabricating. Like Michael Jordan. Nobody was saying that. Michael Jordan. Nobody. Jose Altuve really shut up the doubters yesterday. With his 10th LCS home run, that's now tied with Manny Ramirez for the most all-time. Yes, I know those guys have played way more. Playoff games at a lot of guys, but in the L- in the LCS, that's still pretty impressive to have ten home runs. No doubt. <laughs> Anytime you're in these record books, but you always have to say these guys are playing far more play. They have the opportunity to play far more playoff games than the yesteryear players. Than the players that you win your league, you're the American or the National. You just played in a World Series, like. Those guys who put up great numbers and their numbers are just World Series numbers, they have to be remembered for greatness because they didn't get the wild card series, the wild card game, division series. Can you imagine what their numbers would have been? The greats of the greats need to be respected. Just because Jose Altuve and Jeter and Manny Ramirez, Manny Ramirez spent a lifetime in the postseason with the Indians and the Red Sox, even Manny Wood in Hollywood. He played, what, one or two years of the Dodgers in the postseason? I'm going to pull up his postseason numbers right now real quick. I mean, he started playing in the postseason. like He and Jeter start playing like at 18, 19. Was it 19, 20 years old? Uh, 95 was his first year How in old the was postseason. He? Uh, doesn't have his age. but yeah, it would be up. He made his debut in 93, 20, so 23. He was 23 when he made yeah. his debut? Uh, Manny Ramirez in his career. Are you sure about that? 
Andy Ramirez in his career played in only – he only had 410 postseason at-bats. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's any good or not. 111 postseason games. Uh, Manny Ramirez made his debut on September – September 2nd, 1993, at the age of 21. Yeah, I was about to say, what are you talking about? But his first postseason game wasn't until 95. Yeah, he came up So he's up 23. Early. I was about to say, he came up early. But anyway, yeah, that's a lifetime. I mean, they they spent a, a, a long time in the postseason. But the, the, the thing that I struggled with, and by the way, I just got my, uh, I don't know when we'll do this soon, but I just got my off-season outlook of the athletics. That's from um, that's from USA Today or no. Sports Weekly. Nope. Oh, uh, very good. Like, what's what to look at? I can just tell you, as somebody who loves off season, as someone who love, I love the off season. I love the winter meetings. I love the I love I love I love the off season. I love to see how people make their rosters, how they spend money. You know, what, how, negotiating the caps and everything. I think it's fascinating. The names on this list are so much better than last year's. Last offseason. Last offseason was, you know, whoa. We were hoping. This year, the names that are on the the names that we're gonna start projecting for next year's team are so far better than what we dealt with this year. I mean, come on. Come I- on. I mean, I'd agree. I mean, wait, you're telling me we're not Sheldon Noisy. It's not going to be on the list. or Was Sheldon Noisy with us last year in spring? Uh, oh, not in spring, but I was just looking because he was on the team in 2022. I was just about to say. <laughs> I mean, Sheldon Noisy was here a couple times. Yeah, Billy McKinney. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're not having that. <sighs> it's going to be better. I'm telling you, the first offseason outlook for the A's that has been published – I'm like, you know what? That's far better. We're not winning 50 games next year. We're, we're winning far more than that. Come on. You're supposed to be like, Townie, you're right. Townie, let's go. Townie. Well, I was going to say, I was gonna say I, you are right, but. Don't play that. That's not true. Uh, no, no. I agree with you. I think they are. Well, then again, uh, I thought they would. I thought 60. I thought they're going to win more than 60. But, the, you know, obviously a young team. Taking 60 a is a legitimate goal. Yeah. 55. How about 500? How about. Ooh. Wow. Postseason. Ooh. I didn't say. Full, full Diamondbacks run? All right. Who's starting game <laughs> one of the postseason? Is it Boyle? Is it Sears? Is it Estes? What are we going to do with Mason Miller? You don't want to go full bullpen game? I'm, I, I, Mason Miller, I'm putting in the bullpen. Mason Miller is coming in and blowing Ched. Because I don't know if you guys are watching. Um, Major League Baseball, I, this totally got me off what I was going to go with. But anyway, all right, then I'll go there. Uh, teams leading after six innings are 26-1. and one. You got the lead in the six. See, this is the whole thing about don't be buying this garbage from the regular season anymore. My whole, my whole world has changed. The regular season does not matter. You use the regular season to get into the postseason. And once you get into the postseason, all the garbage goes away. And now it's just the very best. And you're getting the very best relievers. And the very best relievers are doing what? Throwing hard. They're throwing smoke. 
Teams are 26 and 1 when leading after when leading after 6. 789 boop boop boop. Good night everybody. That's how it works. That's why you need Mason Miller in the bullpen. I know he wants to start. I know a lot of people want him to start. Mason Miller needs to go to the bullpen. He needs to be that guy. He comes in, it's ball game over. As Reggie would say, you grab your hat and your coat and you know it's time to go home, like he said about the Mets when Raleigh came in. Yeah, all the A's knew, oh, Raleigh's in, this game's over. God, wouldn't it be great to have a Raleigh, a, a modern-day Raleigh Fingers? Can bring him in the seventh, can bring him in the eighth, you can bring him in any time. I had a lot of respect for a guy that would do that, and then all of a sudden he didn't want to pitch, they didn't want to use him multiple innings this year, and Josh Hader. Hader was kind of like that old-school blend for a bit, and then they, they what found was out. That? Well, uh, the Kraken for the Indians. Oh, Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller was that guy. Yeah, those are two. That's why I always said – A.J. Puck could be one of them. and Well, that, he's just not a straight ninth inning guy. Yeah, not so sure about that. <laughs> so the dilemma that I had, I had a dilemma, and I talked about it yesterday, and it's one of the fascinating things about baseball is somebody has to make the decisions, and they can be really tough decisions. And it's easy to sit back and for us to be armchair quarterbacks and say, I told you I wouldn't have done that, but I did say yesterday, why the hell are you starting Max Scherzer? This is not going to work. And then it didn't work. And I wasn't going to come on today and tell you I told you so. Because I think it is a tough decision. And you got to look at who else you got. And sometimes you really got to... um, you got to go with with what you got. Now, could you have gone a different route? Yeah. But I told you yesterday, you're going to bring this guy in. He hasn't pitched since September 14th, I think. 36 days. 36 days he has not thrown this in competition. And now you're going to face the Grim Reaper of Grim Reapers, the Houston Astros? Had him right where they wanted him. Like, what are you doing? There's no way. Now, if he goes out and throws a gym, I, I, I'm not saying any of this, and I would have looked wrong. I'm not trying to do the I told you so, but I have some data to back me up why this was a bad idea. You love data. You say you love data. All these other guys love data. You want some data of why it was a bad idea to throw him? Now, you could say, well, what else you got? And then I'm like, I get Andrew Heaney is actually throwing the ball really well. They paid John Gray a lot of money to not pitch in the postseason. John Gray throws harder, (laughs) right? Dude, Taiwan Walker. How about that? Think about that. Hey, when you talk about payroll doesn't matter, Taiwan Walker signed with him. What is it, 70-something million? It was like, I think it was four for like, I'll get the exact number. I'm going to say 72. Uh, I thought it was. 74. I I'm thought going it was, 72. I thought it was four for 78. Let's see. I think you might be right. Four for 72. Four for set. Philly signed a guy four years, 72 million, and he's a cheerleader in the postseason. Gray got four for 56. He's a cheerleader. Cheerleaders. <laughs> They're just, hey, it's Gray. We're in the postseason. You'll see Ty- Taiwan Walker there. He's always on the top step. Yeah, this is great. I'd, I'd be the biggest. You pay me $72 million, I'd be high-fiving everybody. I'd be like. Tatis and Soto and dancing and everything. I'd be doing all that. 
for $72 million to sit the pine. Would you go full White Sox to have your shirt all bu- uh, on oh, with the chains? Oh, gold chain. That was the best, right? <laughs> the best best look I've ever seen was the um, Field of Dreams game. It was Yankees-White Sox. It was hot, right? You're playing in midsummer in the heart of America, God's country as they like to call it, in Iowa in the cornfield. It was so hot. They weren't wearing undershirts. They just had the jersey on. And Eloy Jimenez has the thing buttoned down to like here. So it's just open. It's just his chest, and he just has the gold medallion with gold chains. Yeah, I'd be that guy. I could see it. Totally. That would be a great Halloween costume. But no one around here would know Eloy Jimenez. You can go as dark. Well, if you don't, if you don't wear the chain, and you go just with the shirt unbuttoned, like most of the way down, you could be Dr. Jerry Buss, because they just did winning time the show on the Lakers, and uh, John C. Riley plays. Dr. Buss, and every time you see him, he always has a button on surrounds all the way down to here. He has a chest hair all over. Yeah, he, is that the 70s, though? Uh, 80s. Were people doing that in the 80s? Uh, well, according I lived according in the to 80s. that show, they were. I was more. I th- is that a set, or was that a disco thing, too? I think, well, that was coming from the disco era going into the 80s. So maybe yeah, maybe, 80s, maybe Dr. Buss just kept going. If I remember correctly, they were, and I was a, I was a little kid, but. They were transitioning. People didn't think disco was cool anymore once we got once we left the seventies into the eighties, we didn't think disco was cool anymore. Oh well, yeah. I mean I like, gotta see picture. Are you sure it wasn't from that? Because remember, when when did Dr. Jerry Buss buy the team? It was in the seventies. Uh the, and Showtime was It was like he bought him late seventies because remember he his first player he got was Magic Johnson. And that would have been eighty, eighty one. Like yeah, like late like seventy nine eighty. Bird and Bird and Magic played in the NCAA Finals in '79. Yes, Indiana State, 1979. They were drafted. Yeah, '79. So going '79. So yeah. So he would have bought. The only the- reason why I know that I say that all the time. 1979 is really the first year that I can look back as a kid and say I remember. The Pirates won the. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I, mean, I, I could have easily been a Pittsburgh guy just like you. Think about it. The one year, the because, and the things ha- it's happening with my kids now because we'll say all the time like, "Hey, remember at Disneyland?" They'll be like, "No, what? You don't remember the princess dinner that we took you to and spent all this money on and put you in those dresses?" And you're like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen." And we got it on video. You don't? Re- no, we don't remember it. No, if you were to bring up Taylor Swift, they'll remember everything. Swifty, yes, they remember everything. <laughs> my kids are now like Kansas City Chiefs fans, for God's sake. Um, when you know who Jason Kelsey is. You want to know the power of Taylor Swift? My 17, about to be 18-year-old twin daughters who are seniors in high school, they know who Jason Kelsey is. Probably a lot of you out there don't even know who Jason Kelsey is. (laughs) You may know that he's the brother of Travis Kelsey. He's been in the league longer. He's a great player, probably going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a center out of... Oh, because Travis went to Cincinnati. Uh, they're both, they're, they're, both, they're natty, bro. They're nat- okay, they both went to the natty. He's a great player, right? He was a he was a linebacker in college. They turned him into a center. He's, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have a bust, and both of them will probably be in the Hall of Fame. I think pretty safe to say. Yeah, I don't think you're going on a limb on that one. No, <laughs> I'm not. JJ Cooper gonna come after me. Get off my guy, John Smoltz. By the way, that's enough. You know what? We are after the media first. It was Danny Wexelman, the fake, the fake hype Danny Wexelman on Sirius XM. 
Now Kevin Franzen. <laughs> Whoa, now we're going after Fran. Now that's blood. That's I'm going, San Jose hate. That's San Jose State on San. <laughs> Kevin Franzen said, "These guys, we're equal opportunists. I'll go after Wexelman. I'll go after Franzen. Now I'm going after JJ Cooper of Baseball America next. Franzen, Franzen, literally. I'm listening to the pregame show." And he cannot get over that we cannot celebrate this game one pitching matchup. Like, I cannot believe we're not celebrating this enough. What? What, 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 what do you want to do? You want to throw a party and get like a jumpy house and have cake for the pregame for who's starting game one? There's a lot of, and this is for the Phillies Diamondbacks, right? Yes. Yeah, how many Cy Youngs were won between those two guys? We're not celebrating this enough. Like, what do you want to have a part? You want to get a DJ in a jumpy house? It's not It's it's not uh, Steve Carlton versus Randy Johnson. Even if it is, how much can you celebrate before the game that you're going to a game to watch two guys pitch? Four innings. It's a big deal, but, I mean, you want to celebrate it? Like, how do you ce- get the definition of celebrate? And, I don't, like, what do you want? Overhype pregame. So we got Danny Waxelman, who's like, I don't even know what to, I can't even do anything without baseball. And then she's like, I can't even like, I, I, I can't even do any more laundry. She mentioned laundry. Like, I, like you sit around all day long going, I, I, like, what do you do during the game? Going, oh my God, every pitch, every pitch. And then now Franny is, Franny wants to celebrate before the game <laughs> even starts to have a party. <laughs> Fake hype guy. My God. What's the height guy for the Warrior games? You've been there forever? Oh, uh, Franco or uh, – Franco Finn. There you go. Yeah. They're like Fra- – at least Franco's getting paid, and that's his job. These are like the Franco Finns of Sirius XM, for God's sakes. Celebrate the pitching matchup. Get that. J.J. Cooper went after John Smoltz yesterday. I'm pissed. Pissed. You're going after my guy, Smoltzy? And he totally contradicted himself, and, and we'll get into it. But I got to get back to it's a tough decision, right? I admit, it's a tough decision. You got Max Scherzer. You traded for him. It's an investment. But I'm just going to give you this. Just a little data. Just a little data. Wine and dine you a little bit. A little appetizer for data here. Going into yesterday's game, the Houston Astros, when facing a pitcher, that throws 95 miles an hour or more. Velo, 95 plus. Can you guess what the Houston Astros average was heading into last night's game? I think I might have saw this. Was it one for 47? So the batting average was real. I, I don't know. Ooh, ooh, where's your Pennsylvania math here? Uh, that's. I'm going to say it's a really low number. It's a very low number. <laughs> uh, Point. Zero, two, one. A batting average of point zero two one. Was twenty one. Wasn't it? You're Al- hitting twenty one. Wasn't it Alvarez's home run? Was the one? Jordan Alvarez probably weighed more than that as a baby. Well, maybe not, but pretty close to it, <laughs> right? When they say you're not hitting your weight, you're hitting twenty one point zero two one. They were one for forty seven off fastballs. See, this is the kind of data stuff that people are looking at when we start looking at rosters and lineups and everything. But it's true. Houston Astros were 1 for 47 against fastballs 95. And you're going to throw Max Scherzer out there who has not thrown in 36 days? 
Is Matt what's Max Scherzer gonna average around? Ninety three, ninety four probably. Although didn't wasn't his first pitch ninety five or something, someone said. He averaged, I think it was like ninety three something with his two seamer. And four seamer combined. This isn't Max It was under ninety five. This isn't Scherzer with the D-backs or so Detroit. you don't pitch for 36 days. You're not going to be sharp with your breaking stuff, and you're throwing under 95. Once again, 95 and up, Astros hitting one for 47. What happened in the game? Um, rack, yep, rack, yeah, rack. Two way to home run. These guys are laser focused right now. That's the whole thing about the postseason. Stop with the randomness crap. These guys are all laser focused. They're all in. These guys, they are just, this is what Nicholas Castellanos, you're going to hear later, says, you know, I just don't play defense in the regular season because I'm bored. But I'll play in the postseason. It's the postseason. (laughs) These guys are ready to rock. You're not throwing your best. You're going to get hammered. And by the way, if I got to hear, and this is where I wonder if Bruce Bochy, Loves his veteran guys, and we've heard Max Scherzer is a future Hall of Famer. I get it, I get it, but you know what? You got to go on what where we are now. Where are we now today? Last three postseason starts, he's zero and two, nine point six nine ERA, thirteen innings, six home runs. What 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 are you talking about? He's old. He, he's been popped for the sticky stuff recently. I mean, was he really giving you your best? Was he giving you your best opportunity to win last night? And it's a legitimate question. Because you may say yes. And I, and I would have to wear it and say, you know what? Okay, I got to take that. I, I think this is a really tough question. Did he give you your best opportunity? And I got all the memes about the Road Warriors. If anybody remembers the old, <laughs> the old uh, great talking animal, they were a great. They were in the TNT, uh, the TBS league, right, for a long time. Yeah, they they were around for a while. So he's sending me memes of the wo- Road Warriors back in the day. Was that the best option for Bruce Bochy? If you say yes, ride or die with it. Okay. I don't know, though, because my data is going to tell me Houston against fastballs, it's not good. It's just not good. You got nothing? No, I was going to say Scherzer's a a losing pitcher. Show's over, everybody. What, you got nothing? Scherzer's a losing pitcher in the postseason, too. He's a losing record in the postseason. Um, Yeah, it's great that he is not only just – I know, you know, this isn't even about the man. This is about the data. Yeah, I mean, a guy hasn't pitched since mid-September, and you're right? throwing him out there in a playoff game. He hasn't pitched since since it's been over a month, 36 days since he's pitched, and you're throwing him out there. Again, you're throwing him to the Wolves. Against a team that won 51 games on, on the road at home in, in the regular season, and they own you at your own ballpark. And you're paying a guy like John Gray, who should maybe get some looks in the postseason, all that money to not pitch, to have the – you know, no one ever really got – I mean, Bochy really makes a lot of great decisions, every, you know, every year from all three years with the Giants. But this is not one of his better moves to have him and have Scherzer start that game. It just is what it is. But I'll tell you what, it just tells you how resilient those a-holes are from Houston. 
It just tells you. I mean, it's amazing. They truly, they they are a an amazing bunch. As much as I hate them, as bad as evil as that organization is, they've just they've got a chin, man. If there's like anything you could say about the Houston at cheaters or not, bad people working inside, the way they treat their employees, the way they treat women. I mean, there's like a lot of bad things about the Houston Astros, but there's one thing that you can say, they've got one hell of a chin. They I mean, they're like they're 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 like Muhammad Ali, man. They can take punch after punch after punch. Ali didn't win every fight he fought, but he was the heavyweight champ and Ali had one hell of a jaw. Ali had a Joe Frazier had a jaw. Now there was a point where Foreman knocked it off, but I mean those guys, those that that group of heavyweights, Foreman, Frazier, Norton, big men getting in there just hammering each other. That's when boxing. I was a. I don't even remember some of that. I wasn't even born for some of it. But back when heavyweights were heavyweights, Ali, Foreman, Frazier, Norton, these guys, when men were men. And they took punches for 15 rounds. Houston could have played in that era. That's what Houston reminds me of, the old heavyweights. Big men with big fists hammering each other. They can get in the ring and fight with anybody. I don't get the home home road splits. I, I don't get that. I'm not buying it's just the hitter's eye because the other team's hitters are not <laughs> yeah. having a problem. They got a problem at home, but there's something about these Astros that I don't know what it is. It's the calming influence of Christian Javier. Like Christian Javier. Well, this thing started with A.J. Hinch, that boob. Uh, Christian Javier, like all of a sudden he's getting uh, mentioned with Christy Mathewson. Yeah, he has the longest scoreless inning streak to begin a postseason starting pitching career. Uh, Christy Mathewson had 28 innings. Uh, Christian Javier is at 20 and a third. He's 4-0 with a .82 ERA in now, four postseason again, starts. Now, once again, like we said earlier, Christy Mathewson's will all be World Series. He didn't play in the wild card, nor the division series. Back then, the New York Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's pretty impressive, though. They weren't on TBS back then. <laughs> they only played in the World Yeah, Christy Mathewson, read that again. All right, Chris. Longest scoreless inning streak to begin a postseason starting pitching career. 1905 to 1911, Christy Mathewson, 28 innings pitched. Then it's Christian Javier from last year to this year, 20 in the third. He's 4-0 with a .82 ERA and four career playoff starts. So, and what makes that more impressive for, for old Christy, and if I'm going to use the logic of modern-day baseball because what's always the, the, the logic of modern-day baseball is the fact that well, you face way, way more pitchers now. That's why it'd be harder to have a Joe DiMaggio streak. Well, Christie's not. He's on the mound facing all the best players from the other team over and over and over again in the World Series. He's not, like, bunching this up. Well, this was in a wild card game, and this was division, league championship. His numbers are all against the same best hitters in the World Series. They'd still find a way to, ah, it's a different era, different ball, blah, blah, blah. Can't, compl- can't compare eras. But uh, Christian Javier, as Eno's going to tell you a little bit uh, later, got a little more ride back on that fastball. Did you check him for anything, by the way? Okay. Ooh. Had a little more, little more, little more giddy up. Now, there's something to be said. Like, we had those numbers for you, Merrill Kelly. 
everything was up. Fastball's up. Breaking ball's up. Change-up's up two miles an hour. There is the intensity that I like to talk about in the postseason that shows up really in the pitching that you're now super juiced. You're not this juice taking on Seattle in August, Kansas City in July, Oakland in June. You're in the playoffs, man. Your body, the adrenaline, the endorphins and stuff that are firing in your body for pitchers, that's why you see the gas. That's why you see more ride. And Christian Javier, who didn't have a great year, kind of turns it on. And that's where we're seeing teams like Philly, like Texas, not yesterday, but the two games in the series before, and Houston, you're getting the starting performances. You're get, Like, as much as you want to sit here, and I, could, I got all these numbers, for God's sakes, on Philly and home runs. I mean, the trio of Phillies on fire this season, this postseason. Trey Turner's hitting 500. Bryce Harper's hitting 385. Castellanos is hitting 345. All these home runs, extra base hits, da 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 Then you can put Real Muto, Schwarber. Schwarber now has 18 postseason home runs tied with Reggie Jackson for most by a left-handed hitter. Phillies out homered their opponents 19-4. to We could go on and on and on and on. But it's been their pitching, right? Starters to bullpen where most guys throw gas. Yeah. Like, they're, we're, everybody's going to talk about the offense, which is cool. But Philly's 13 runs allowed are the fewest all-time through eight games of the postseason. I guarantee you this is where you're going to get this information. Because everywhere else, everybody is going to be screaming offense, 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 offense. Great. No doubt. Out slugging everybody, big deal. But remember, Philly's 13 runs allowed are the fewest all-time through eight games of a postseason. That is major. We want to highlight the offense, but once again, it gets back to, can you pitch? And they've gotten better defensively. Dave Dombrowski's made them better defensively. They're not, you know, this is not Gold Glove City, but they get it. They got a one five five ERA. Opponents' batting average is only one sixty five. They struck out fifty one, and only walked four. That's their their starting pitchers are averaging 17.4 outs per game. See, this is data that you look at and I think the average baseball fan can get. Like there's other stuff people start talking about you go, "Ah, right, does that matter? I don't know." I mean, but this just this is simple. It tells you right here. Philly is going out 51 strikeouts to 4 walks. They're not giving you any extra opportunities, right? They're not kicking the ball for the most part. So they're not giving extra outs. They're not walking guys, and they're whiffing everybody. And then when you do hit, you're only hitting 165. So that's not a lot of hard contact, a lot of strikeouts, and no free passes. And they're at least giving you 17 outs before you get to a bullpen where you got a lot of high velocity coming in. And you have five guys that they have in their bullpen that have closer experience. You can see why Philly is not built for the regular season. Philly is built to get to the postseason to be one of the better teams because that's all that matters. But once you shrink it down, my best against your best, Philly's built to play against anybody. They pitch, 
Their starters go deeper in games. Their bullpens lock down. They hit homers. In short series, you can see why they're practically unbeatable. But who's the one team that's beat them? The Braves. No. Well, I was talking about their – I was going back to the 26-1. No. Who's beat them? Uh, in the postseason? No one. The Astros beat them last oh, year. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about this year. Yeah, the Astros last year, The yes. guy with the chin yeah, and the yeah. big hammer, right? That's the only – That's what has taken down Philly? The Astros. That's it. Because Philly's built on great conversation on SNY. That is Sports New York, who they are the Met station because the Yankees are the yes. They had a talk show on where they had a bunch of guys talking, and, and it was an interesting conversation for me. When they were talking about, because, you know, they're they're all a little hurt. Mets went all in because they have the richest owner in the history of baseball. $16 billion. Yeah, hedge fund guy, $16 billion. Uncle Steve, they like to call him. And they're going to outspend everybody. And we're going to be smarter and sp- outspend everybody. And we don't care. See, that's what ownership, that's what real ownership does. We don't care. We don't care about the luxury tax. We don't care about the CBTs. We don't care about that kind of stuff because we're in New York and we got a rich owner. How'd that work out? Uh, Scherzer and Verlander pitch against each other in the playoffs. <laughs> That's how that worked out. Mark Canna's Mark, Mark, Mark Canna was a brewer. Mark Canna's with the Brewers. Huh? Tom, Tommy Pham's a Diamondback. Yeah, Tommy <laughs> Pham. Wait till you. Wait till you hear. Wait till you hear. What? Francisco Lindor and Tommy Pham in the Mets. A story coming up here with Eno Saris. Wait, it's classic. But they were asking themselves on this little roundtable show, can you take anything from how the, the Phillies are built? Can the Mets, you know, it's the New York team, Mets and Yankees, hey, Mets and Yankees, what can the Yankees and the Mets take from this, huh? What do you get? I don't know if you can. You sacrifice defense for offense. You got a spiritual great player. Bryce Harper is a spiritual spiritual kid. Always has been, right? Thing was, when he was coming out of Vegas, and God, one of the greatest lines is, hey, why are you asking me? I'm just a kid with a GED. <laughs> but, I mean, he was a prodigy. But everybody, and he was, uh, he was a show me, you know. But everybody talked about this kid's got great makeup. And Bryce Harper, as he has grown into a man, is truly that great leader. He's the kind of guy you want to give three hundred million to. Do I want to give three hundred million to Manny Machado? Do I want to give Francisco Lindor three? Like, let's just say. The A's, we had a pot of gold. Like, all of a sudden, there's this big pot of gold for the A's, and we can spend. And everybody like, spin this, spin that. You do exactly what the Mets did. A's fans would be exactly like the Mets. Spin, 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 spin. And then you'd be like, oh, S-bomb. It doesn't work. you got to spend it wisely. When that record contract came out for Albert Pujols, how did that work out for the Angels? Um, the one that plows like once, right? Once or twice. Got swept once yeah. against the Royals. Royals. Yeah, Like how many of these big deals? Bryce Harper is the one big deal that you're looking at and you're going, man. Talk about someone who, who, who has embraced the city, embraced the moment, embraced everything. 
and is their spiritual leader. He's worth every penny. Can you replicate that? I don't know. Right? You can't replicate Schwarber. No. Anyone could have signed him, but you can't replicate him. Castellanos, I mean, all bat, doesn't do anything else. I hate those kind of guys. Can you? But you can you like afford to swallow these guys' deficiencies? Trey Turner was a good signing. Not for a while at first. Not and until it, they embraced him. Not until they put up the, the he put up the billboards. But a lot of it. I mean, the way the Phillies are built, a lot of it's on free agency. Yeah, and they're starting pitchers. I mean, Wheeler's a free agent. That was a good yeah. sign. Their bullpen. I mean, some of their guys are there's like Sir Anthony Dominguez, but. Kimbrel is not theirs. Uh, they built a really nice bullpen too, but there's I mean their starting staff is mainly guys they brought in. So they did a nice Dombrowski and Sam Fold have done a nice job finding uh, evaluating talent and bringing them in. Former A Sam Fold, yeah. Stanford great. Another uh, I'm I'm turning on the Red Sox because that's a disaster job. <laughs> oh, this is my, this is my favorite. Craig Breslow, who we, former A, we used to call the smartest man in baseball because of what was his degree in, like, Arenada. He was in some type of – he had some fancy, fancy degree. It wasn't Latin classics like uh, Hein Bloom. No. Craig Breslow had a fancy degree. We'll look it up. Uh, we'll get to Luis Gonzalez here in a minute. Um, so, Craig Breslow right now is the front runner to – they are actually – give it to me. A B.A. in molecular biophysics and biochemistry. There you go. <laughs> Smartest man in baseball. So they are actually going to – I didn't realize this. I believe everything I read on X. They are interviewing to replace Heim Bloom as a – they're a president of baseball operations. Okay. So they are interviewing for that job. Breslow is interviewing for the GM job. So they're still going to go with this – Eight million chefs in the kitchen to make one meal. So they must have restructured the GM that they had there already, too. I guess. So they're not looking at Breslow to be the president. But anyway, there is some Boston people, and one of them was like, well, he checks the analytics boxes. And I'm like, because Craig Breslow has just been a behind-the-scenes guy with the Cubs working on pitching, and he hasn't had, like, a management position where he's managing people. And I'm like, wait a minute. What is he? Assistant general manager, vice president of pitching. <laughs> so I'm like, wait a minute. Heim Bloom was Mr. Analytics from Tampa, and you brought him up with all, and they got, they got a, z- a zillion analytics guys. I know somebody in the Red Sox, folks. I've been trying to tell you this. There's so many layers of people with the Red Sox. It's unbelievable. And so you're going to tell me, oh, oh, Breslow. No, Breslow checks the boxes for analytics. Because all of Heim and his guys didn't? It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I just love his title, Vice President of Pitching. Let's get back to it real quick. Yay or nay, Scherzer, I gave you the numbers. Astros hadn't hit fastballs that well in this postseason. 95-plus, 1-for-47. That's a .021 average. You go out, throw Max Scherzer. 
Hasn't pitched in 36 days, and he's throwing 93-94 and has no idea where his breaking balls are going or change up. And now in his last three starts, postseason starts, 0-2 with a 9.69 ERA, 13 innings, six bombs. Good or bad idea to start Max Scherzer? Bad. For all the reasons you laid out. When you have guys you could other guys you could have used. You could have started John Gray, you're talking about you're talking about velocity and you're talking about pumped up for the postseason. Throw him out there and go go get him. He's already, we may we may get you in the third, we may get you go get him. Let it loose. He might have, he's another guy that I don't think he might have he might not have even pitched in a postseason game yet. Unless he somehow pitched in one for the Rockies. Look at a- Andrew Heaney has allowed one run in his last twelve and two thirds innings dating back to the regular season. So, Andrew Heaney's going to go tonight. He's been hot. You would have had a chance. If you won that game yesterday with Andrew Heaney on the mound, slicing and dicing, a chance to sweep the Astros. Prior to his game last night, the last time Gray pitched in the postseason, he pitched in game four of the National League. Uh, he pitched in the wild card game for Colorado. He went one and a third and gave up four runs. What? That doesn't matter. It was 17. When was the last time he pitched? Uh, he pitched last night. No, before. Oh, last night. Uh, let's see. We know September fourteenth for uh, for old. Uh, I want this Max Scherzer. Sorry, I went to splits on accident. Because he was a starting, he won nine games for them. So when he started twenty nine games, so it had to be in September. Uh, his last start was September twenty fifth. He won six innings. So you got Scherzer, who hasn't started since the fourteenth, and you actually have his last start was September twenty fifth. Yeah, where he won six Went innings, s- one run ball, struck out seven. I don't know. Gee, it's easy to be armchair quarterback, but just shows you tough decisions. It's a really tough decision. And then he got fought going tonight. Uh, there's great stuff about how Brent Strom has changed. He started on the left side of the mound. He's now worked to the right side of the mound, which helps give you an advantage. Right side of the mound is so much better for right-handers to go in on right-handers, right-handed hitters. It's so I mean, because just think about it. If you set up on the left side of the mound as a righty, think of where the release point is, Right. But if I line up on the right side, I'm, like, right on you, right? If you're the hitter, I'm, like, right. If I'm on the right side of the mound, I'm lining up right with you on the box. So when you're looking at this, trying to get away from Cody's big head, I almost, if you're a hitter, act like you're a hitter. I'm lining it up. Like, I, my release point looks like it's on the other side. If I'm a hitter like this, your release point looks like you're bringing on the other side of my head, and you're coming right in on me versus – if you line up on the left side of the mound, I get a clearly – that's why they never – pitching coaches never want right-handers. Same thing with lefties. You never want – but it's about where you're comfortable. Some guys line up in the middle. But if, you, if you're if you on the left, I know you could think about trying to get on right – trying to get in on righties, but you give them a better view. It's better to have stuff coming out because, I mean, it's just – it's optics, right? If you're a hitter – if you're a hitter and it's coming out of the pitcher's hand and everything looks like it's coming at your face, it's coming at your eyes, right? That's not comfortable. It's just not. When when breaking balls are always coming at you and then breaking in, it's not comfortable. 
So they've done. Brent Strom has done a great job with Fought. And by the way, Fought has been better. He has given up. Let the, the, the numbers show he's given up less home runs. They got to win tonight. I mean, Captain Obvious. I mean, you don't win tonight. Uh, but you do win tonight. You kind of get, you know, it's about mojo, right? Everything's about mojo. Series are about mojo. Okay, they done their, they took care of their business at home. You're Arizona. You win tonight. Got two more games in your home field. And they and they have played well. Arizona has played well and had and they have held home field advantage this season. The one thing I'm curious about if they don't win today. They came out and already said the game four is going to be a bullpen game. Do they change that around? Do they start Gallon on short rest? They're not going Gallon on short rest. So you're going to rely on your bullpen to carry you for the most critical game of the season. And that, that gets back to teams with big payrolls can stash pitchers. Teams without big payrolls can't. And you kind of, oh, boy, now we're, in a, we're not in a five-game series anymore, Cody. You're now in a seven-game series. So even though there's some days off, it can back up on you. So, but tonight – kind of do or die right you do not see the red Sox come back oh three against the yankees i you go down tonight you're down oh three you're 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 toast but find your own magic in your own building that's what we want to see right see the d-backs find the magic well let's head to arizona he's an arizona legend he's a world series champion I'm going to say at least top five biggest hits in the history of baseball. I think that's fair. The hit against uh, Mariano. To win a World Series, walk it off against a team that was going for four straight World Series against the greatest closer of all time? Pretty big deal. Still remember it like it was yesterday. Bill Mazeroski was a pretty big deal back in the day for the Pirates against the Yankees. Joe Carter with his bomb, the walk-off in game six against the Wild Thing, Mitch Williams pretty big um i understand gibson against the a's but that still was game one you could say it sent the momentum but that was still game one this was game seven luis gonzalez against the yankees in 01 the game winner i will investigate as you watch luis gonzalez see who ranks Everybody overplays the Gibson. I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but still game one. We're talking about hits that are the finality. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Game's over. Luis Gonzalez, game, series over. Bill Mazeroski walked it off, right? Correct. What year was that? 40? 60. 60? I was about to say 40. 60? 1960, yeah. 1960. It was 1960? Yeah. You're a Pirates fan. You should know that. Maz, I remember watching him play well. All right. Earlier today, we got up early to talk to our man Gonzo, Luis Gonzalez, who still works for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Well, everybody knows here on A's Cast Live, we've been giving the Snakes all the love we possibly can. Our man, Tori Lavello, we're rooting on Arizona. So why not bring on an absolute Diamondback legend? You all know him as the World Series champion. The all-star Luis Gonzalez is with us from the ballpark right now. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. 
So you know what it's like to be in a tough series. I mean, obviously, I mean, Philadelphia right now, I mean, the other guy gets paid too. I mean, it's like, it's incredible how well they have played. They're firing all in all cylinders. But I got to think now getting back to Arizona, it's going to be rally. It's going to be rowdy in the Valley of the Sun tonight. Yeah, I mean, two tough games for us in in, uh, Philly. Just a hostile environment. Our guys weren't able to overcome over there and, uh, they were very much looking forward to this game here uh, this afternoon here at the ballpark here at Chase Field. Well, the one thing a lot of people may not have paid attention to, but just talk about how good the Diamondbacks have been at home this year. Yeah, we've played well at home. And, you know, I think the big key for us is just getting out of the gates early. We fell behind in those two games. Uh, the first two series that we played in against Milwaukee and again against the Dodgers, we got to early leads. And I think for us, that's what helps kind of a mix of young guys on our team and we have some veteran players but if we can get out to an early lead that's really going to help us uh, especially in today's game well you know you want to talk about crazy series i mean the world series you want against the yankees that thing was so dramatic so back and forth so you can have all this momentum happen in one city in one ballpark but it can dramatically change once you come back home yeah and we saw that yesterday i mean the astros went out and playing on the road and they ended up winning the game for us. We're going to have to flip the script and try to, to win a home game here. But, uh, you know, being down two games to nothing, if you can win game three, it, it really makes people start thinking about it. Just as uh, Texas Rangers, we thought we're in command of that series. Then they uh, lose yesterday to the Houston Astros. And now you're like, Oh, maybe the Astros aren't dead in the waters. Like everybody thought. You know, when you think about a team growing up and a team growing right in front of your eyes, we talked to you earlier this year on this program, and obviously the Dodgers were running away with it. How much have you seen this grown? And how much have you seen this team grow? And talk about the growth that you've seen with this ball club. Uh, it's been great. I mean, you're, we have uh, arguably probably the guy who's going to win uh, the rookie of the year unanimously, and then. Uh, he's probably going to get some MVP votes. He's just been a diamond in the rough, man. This guy has been a star ever since he got up here to the big leagues. We've got some great young players, Alec Thomas, Moreno behind the plate. These guys are really getting a chance now to shine and play on the national spotlight and to go along with some of our veteran guys, our Christian Walkers, our Guriels, Tommy Pham, who we picked up in a trade. These guys have all done extremely well for us, but, uh, this is an accelerated year for us. We weren't expected to be here at the start of the season. We probably thought we were going to get here maybe next year or the year after. But to be where we're at right now and to win, you know, the, the wild card series and then to win that first uh, series against the Dodgers to get here to the National League Championship Series has been a true, truly blessed. Uh, we're not saying it's over. Yeah. But to get to this far right now, it's really been a, a positive year for our organization. Well, Tori Lovello came on this program, and I, I wrote it down on this swing and A's here because he told us love, trust, commitment, effort. Those four things are what the Diamondbacks are built on. So I wrote it on the back of this to always remind myself that's not about analytics. Just talk about the clubhouse, the organization, when you start talking about being built on love, trust, commitment, and effort. Yeah, and he's he's the guy who leads by example. I mean, he's the guy that uh, has the pulse of the team. 
Uh, he's our leader, and I think all the young guys have really bought into everything that he's talked to them about. And uh, getting that trust from spring training, the first day of spring training, into believing uh, the process, trust the process of what they're going to come up with and what they're going to do. And it's really worked out well with a bunch of our young players and some of the veteran guys have really bought into it. Not only that, but, you know, I talked about Corbin Carroll earlier, being yeah. a young guy, he hustles every ball out. And what that does is it motivates a lot of the older guys on the team and gets them fired up to go out there and play well. When's the last time you've seen a guy that size so explosive? Well, I, I think Altuve is the only small guy that you would think of with the power and the and and the excitement that he brings to the game. When he won the Most Valuable Player, you look at his size and you go, "Wait, wait a minute, you're taking aback." But I mean, this is a new generation. You look at him; he's pretty built up. He's a stocky guy, but he's you know he's not six two or anything like that. But uh, he gets it done, man, and he plays the game the right way. He goes out there and has a lot of fun, and it's great to come around here now, walk around the valley in the state of Arizona, and to see a lot of number seven jerseys around here now. Brandon fought going tonight. Obviously, has to pitch well against a team that is hotter than. Uh, it's amazing at the numbers just show how hot. I want to give a lot of credit to Brent Strom. What he's been able to do, it's like everywhere he goes, he changes the staff, he changes the pitchers. It's more than just physical. So much of it's about the mental game. One of the reasons why this team is where they are is because Strom is so good as a pitching coach. Talk about what you've seen there. Yeah, he's one of the best in the business. And I think when he goes out there and touches, especially a lot of our young players, uh, they know that he's got the credentials that go with it. And, I mean, you look at some of the, the pitchers that he's had in the past and uh, the numbers that they've been able to put up and the awards that they've been able to win, I think he's earned that trust from a lot of our pitchers, and it carries over to those guys. Every time he speaks, everybody's listening. You know, velocity plays so much in the postseason. It's unbelievable, especially out of your starters. You guys back in the day had a couple guys that threw pretty hard coming out there, and Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. Uh, just talk about the advantage that you have when, yeah, you want your, your your bullpen guys to come in and blow smoke, but when you have that smoke coming from the very start of the game, what kind of advantage is that? Well, it's good. I mean, I, the big thing, too, to go along with the velocity is location, especially when you're facing a team like the Phillies that uh, from top to bottom, they swing the bat extremely well. They take advantage of mistakes. And I think for a guy like today, for – a guy like Brandon Fott, he's got to keep the ball down in the strike zone. He's got good velocity, but he's got to keep it down. If he starts elevating that fastball, the later innings uh, that goes on, he's been known to give up the, the long ball now and then. And when you're facing a team that hits a lot of home runs, you got to be very cautious out there and not make mistakes. On the flip side of that, what was it like for you as a hitter when you knew they had four or five guys down there that all, uh, that all blew smoke? Well, you try to jump on them early and get some runs because you don't know how they're going to come in. And you're right. When those guys are throwing gas and they're coming in there and being very effective with all their pitches, you want to score some runs early and uh, be able to to kind of establish yourself a little bit. So uh, when those guys come in, if they're tough, you don't have to feel like the pressure's on you to score. Let's end on this. I, I know the Phoenix Suns have been red hot and everybody's fired up about the NBA, but are people like reinvigorated right now with the Arizona Dimebacks and this run that they're on down there in uh, Arizona? Yeah, I think they are. I mean, this is a, this is a different type of town. There's a lot of transplants from all over the country that come here to live in Arizona and 
uh, we're starting to see a lot of the younger generation kids when their parents moved here. Now, you know, they have kids and now they're starting to grow up as Arizona Diamondbacks fans. So we're starting to get more support out here. It's been a pretty special year for our club. And hopefully we can go out there and make a series out of this today and try to win game three. Well, you want to talk crazy. We're already talking about spring training tickets and being in Mesa, Arizona in February. We're doing it all show. It's like spring training's right around the corner. It's hard to believe. But obviously, you guys got something bigger there. We always appreciate your time. You know how much. Uh, we love having you on the program as somebody who is uh, uh, so accomplished in our game. Uh, good luck to, to the club, and it uh, should be fun to watch and hopefully get a couple victories down there in Arizona. You got it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Luis Gonzalez. You want to talk about the damn good career? Career 283. 2,591 hits, 354 jacks, 1,439 RBIs. Is that a career? I remember him as an Astro. Oh, I, was about to, I thought you were going to say a Cub. <laughs> That's a pretty good career. People forget how, how many the career number of hits and his batting average. You know, everyone thinks of the 57 home runs he hit in 2001. You don't remember him as a Tiger? Can't say I do. You don't remember that? He was a great player. It's an honor to have him on because he was one of the better players of his generation. I remember the one year he had, was it 57 bombs? 57, he had, yeah. He had, a, he had an unbelievable. All right, quickly. He t- We just talked about it. Mesa, Arizona. Are you coming? Spring training? Yeah. Spring, are you in? Yeah, spring training. Tickets are on sale as we speak. November, excuse me, February 24th. The very first game against the Colorado Rockies. The first week, though, you're looking at AZ, Giants, Padres. That's a really good schedule right out of the gate. That is your schedule. Dodgers, too. Spring training 2024. A's. It all starts February 24th. We will be there. A's cast and A's cast live. Yeah, athletics.com slash spring to get the tickets. Athletics.com slash spring. Spring's going to be far better. Coming up next, we continue to talk about last night's games, get you ready for tonight's games, and Eno Saris, new underwear model, will all be here, right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. Fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is the number one brand of online mattresses and the Bay Area's favorite mattress store. Take home the Easy Breather Pillow. The New York Times calls it their number one pick. You can navigate their easy-to-use website, nestbedding.com. That's Nest, 
nestbedding.com. Green and Gold fans, use the coupon code Oakland and you get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding, love where you sleep. Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, this Ranger Suarez guy is putting, put, putting a nice little resume together for himself, by the way. I've seen some of his numbers. They're pretty impressive. For a guy that wasn't a... 3-0 and with a 1.16 ERA in his postseason career. 21 to third innings, that's three runs. Philly has won each of Ranger Suarez's, and it's a great name. How you doing? Well, what's your name? Ranger Suarez. <laughs> you mean you're like a ranger? No, that's just my name. Ranger Suarez. I don't know why I'm doing that voice, but I just, I'd like to be, I'm Ranger Suarez. I, I, it just I, sounds like a gunfighter, right? You, you, you're, you're mixing a little bit of, like, Southern, Southern Texas. No, I'm, like, I'm like a, I'm like an old Western yeah. guy. Or mix with the Ranger little, Suarez. Mix with a little Andrew Chafin fastball blown away, slaughtering the dirt. <laughs> little dirty Harry. <laughs> Go ahead, make my day. Are you kidding me? I'd love to be Ranger Suarez. On the mound tonight, Ranger, I, I'm going to go after him. I got my heater, and, you know, I'm trying to punch out all these clowns. Ranger Suarez. I don't think he sounds like that, though. No, he doesn't. He's Hispanic, but I'm telling you, I like Ranger Suarez. I think he speaks I think he uh, speaks through an interpreter. I don't know. I can quite honestly say I've never heard him speak. I think he speaks through an interpreter. But if he did not talk through the interpreter, I picture him as Ranger Suarez. When he's on the mound tonight, I'm just thinking, I got your asses tonight, boys. Follow me into battle on Ranger Suarez. Uh, Ranger Suarez has been good. Fought, better make it happen. Uh, Urquidy. Woo! Urquidy's been a little shaky. A little shaky, huh? How you feeling, Astros? Right where we want them. Yeah, you lose tonight, though. You're down 3-1. Yeah. And that little cute road thing kind of goes away. Uh, that's all right. I would say, hey, hey, I got two games at home. Yeah, kind of tonight for the Astros. <laughs> if they win again, then all of a sudden, Texas is going to get puckered, right? Texas gets puckered. But if Texas wins tonight, it's like, ah, your cute little road thing. We're going to end that right here. Pivotal game. In this really good series, do or die in the NLCS. Hold on, it's do or die. I'm going to ask the question that people always ask. Must win. Is this a must win for the Diamondbacks? Yes. Is it a must win for the no Rangers? No. They'll get puckered, but no. I don't. I don't think it's a must win for the Astros. I would say the Rangers don't. Astros could be on the brink and still fight their way out of it. I would say the Astros don't know what a must win is because they just always win. You know, like, you got Hogan down, and Hogan's beat up, and Hogan's trying to go for the rope, and then all of a sudden you do one last punch that makes him angry. And you hit him, and you hit him, and then all of a sudden he puts the head up, and you hit him, and then he keeps looking around, and then he starts taking his head, and Madison Square Garden starts, he's back. He's, he's hulking back. up. Hulking up he's is back. what we're looking for. And that, then you, that can be the asterisk. And then, and then you hit him one more time in the head, and he just looks, and he goes, 
and he does the point, and yeah. then that's when he starts then going on done. the attack. And then he's going to drop the big leg, and the show's over. It's time to go home. <laughs> Funny how that always worked, right? He'd shake his head, then he'd punch you, and then he'd get you down, then he'd go up against the rope, drop the big leg, one, two, three. And that was it for the performance tonight. Everybody goes home happy. And then cue Real American, his theme song. And I am a real American. He was fighting for our country. <laughs> I, I used to have that song actually saved in our, for some reason, I don't know why, I used to have it in our. By the way, the Hall of Fame thing just came out. Throw it to me. I want. I, I, let, let's play. I want to, you know I love Hall of Fame. All right. So this is from the, uh, this is actually from the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum on Twitter at Baseball Hall. What will the class Hall of Fame class of 2024 look like? The answer starts to come into focus now All right. with the announcement of the eight candidates to be considered by the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee for managers, executives, and umpires. Cito Gaston. Two-time World Series champion. Davey Johnson. Great career and one as a manager. Ed Montague. Eddie, Mo- our buddy Eddie yeah. Montague, yes on Eddie Montague. Hank Peters, who uh, I, I'm gonna have to look him up to the bio for some of these guys. Uh, Joe West, Bill White, Lou Pinella. Lou goes down with Davey as a great career as a player, manager, won a World Series, was in the playoffs a bunch as a manager with multiple teams. Once again, one is – did Lou win two as a player? Just hold on. Can you hold on? Because I'm already on one Tampa guy because you know Lou Pinella and the great Luis Gonzalez are Tampa Bay guys. There's one more manager that I'm saving. Hold on. Hold on. Just want to – I think Lou Pinella is a two-time World Series champ as a player. Yeah, he's a three-time World Series champion. 77 and 78 with the Yankees, then as a manager in 90. It's a pretty accomplished career. Three-time manager of the year. Son, son. Son, son, son. And Johnny Gomes has the greatest Lou Pinello stories in Tampa. There, I literally could just sit back. You know that me, uh, that'd be a gif of Michael Jackson and Thriller with the popcorn at the movie theater? You know, that yeah, one? Yeah. that could be me listening to Johnny Gomes talk about Lou Pinella. He's got Lou Pinella's story after Lou Pinella's. It's the best. Uh, also Mariners Hall of Famer, Lou Pinella. Uh, the last one, he loved to smoke cigarettes in the dog. Smoking Jim? Oh, yeah, he's got to be in. The greatest, not the great, one of the, yeah, where would he rank? Top three manager in the for history his, of the Pittsburgh Pirates. For his time. Jim he's, Leland. He's one of the best managers. No. I'm in on Leland. I'm in on Pinella. Davey Johnson, I think, has to get in. Davey Johnson hit 40 bombs one year, didn't he? He led baseball. Yeah. He was a, good a ma- second baseman. He was a good manager, too. Let me uh, – what year was I – were we even – I went – were you – you weren't born. Was I even born? Davey Johnson hit 43 yaks. Yeah, 73. I was one years old. 73. He hit 43 bombs as a second baseman. All right, so here's his career. Remember, he was the manager of the 86 Mets. You want to talk about that group of bozos? I have a st- I have all the stuff right here. I clicked on the link that the uh, Hall of Fame has. Well, I can just give it to you right here. 
four-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion. So that's two as a player, like Pinella, and one as a manager. Three-time Gold Glove winner, two-time manager of the year, Orioles Hall of Fame, Mets Hall of Fame. I mean, you take his, you take his playing career and managing career. How do you keep Davey Johnson out? Yeah, he won. Man, it's seventeen years. Won one thousand three hundred seventy-two games. His the, fi- the thing, the thing, the thing. I mean, and then Cito Gaston. I, I've never looked at Cito Gaston's numbers as a player because he played eleven years. Let's see. What's Cito? What What do you bring into the party? I don't think it was much, though. Yeah, he didn't bring much. Braves, Pirates, Padres. Thirty dingers, nine. Uh, no, ninety-one dingers, three hundred and eighty-seven RBIs. I got a respectable career. Padres, Braves. Got into two games with your Pirates. But obviously, Cito is going to be known as um, the manager of one of the great teams of all time. The, the back-to-back years for the Blue Jays. They were phenomenal. If it wasn't for the Yankees going back-to-back, we'd be looking at them. I mean, the last National League team was the Reds in the 70s. He's got to have a couple manager of the years, right? No. Doesn't. Uh, well, I, I was looking. I clicked on this link to see so we can find out more about the other guys. Hank Peters spent 42 years in baseball front offices, starting with the Browns and Reds before becoming the A's general manager in 1965 and helping build the fran- uh, helping that franchise build its 1970s dynasty. I'm not qualified to speak on this man. Well, he did win three World Series, so maybe I'm not qualified. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we already did Lou Pinella. We already know about Joe West. Um, Bill White was the president of the National League from 1989 to 1994, following a successful career as a player and broadcaster, an eight-time All-Star and seven-time Gold Glove winning first Ooh. baseman. White presided over the addition of the Marlins and Rockies to the NL and helped consolidate both American and National Leagues under one un- administrative umbrella. He's bringing a very mighty good resume as a player. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, not qualified. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, go through his numbers again? Um, Bill White? Yeah. What year was he a player? Uh, it doesn't have his years there, but you can look, you can look him up. That's ignorance on my part. I, That's on me. I didn't really – I just knew he was like a muckety-muck for the uh, – He ended up – he hit was a 286 career hitter, 202 home runs, uh, 117 OPS plus. He played in 13 years with the New York Giants – the New York Giants. San Francisco Giants, the Cardinals, Philly, and the Phillies. I always knew him as like a, I, 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 I knew he was – I knew he wasn't commissioner, but he was one of those guys. President, yeah. He was the president of the league. Back then we <laughs> yeah, had a yeah, president yeah. of the National <laughs> League of the American. I didn't re- so how many All-Star games? He was eight-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glover, and World Series champion in 1964. Bill White's in. You're throwing that much hardware around to go as an executive and as in the commissioner's office. Is there anybody I wouldn't put in on that list? I think they're all worthy. Yeah, there's about two umpires and Montague and West. Oh, wow. You're not putting Joe West in because he didn't like Mad Bum? Giants honk. Mad Bum should be pitching tonight for the D-backs or tomorrow, right? Yeah, they spent all that money. Isn't that why you paid him? (laughs) Hey, for all you Mad Bums should be in the Hall of Fame Giant Hacks. Where's your boy now when you paid him to be in this situation? Didn't they pay Madison Baumgartner to be in this exact situation? Mr. Postseason, Mr. Yeah, the guy they said kicked the rocks. We're better without you. That's who you want in the Hall of Fame? 
A lot of Giants fans complaining. Saw something yesterday about because Gold Glove finalists were announced yesterday. Yeah. Are Arnado not on the first time in ten years? He's not going to win a Gold Glove. Did he deserve it? No. I didn't watch him every day. Uh, but someone I saw a few Giants writers and fans saying that uh, Tyro Estrada got screwed in the second. And I went and looked up his defensive run save. He had the same number of defensive run saved to second base as Aletmus Diaz. If you're a Giant, <laughs> you know what? Do me a favor. The team that had the most errors in baseball, he if should be Gold Glover. If, if you're friends with a Giants person and they complain about anything, just tell them, listen, just stop. Just stop. It, it, it just didn't end up right. It's a bad year. No one likes a bad year. It's tough to swallow. We get it. We get it. But don't bitch about anything. You literally had the worst record in baseball from, like, July something on. You were the worst offense. You were the worst defense. You had no pitching. Kapler's not that smart, and neither is Farhan. You know what? You're going to go in a different direction. But please, don't complain about anything. You have nothing to complain about. Sometimes you got to lick your wounds. We're doing the same. We're doing the same. We won 50 games. Sometimes in sports, you just got to say, you know what? It's not you. It's me. It's us. we got to look in the mirror and move on to next year. But you go out there and you start complaining. I could pick apart. I can go back and get all these and pick apart and go, you have no reason to complain. Zero. Zero. You don't pitch. You don't play D. You don't hit. You don't win. What are you complaining about? All your writers and all your media people can now go talk about how great the WNBA is going to be. Don't talk baseball. Don't complain about anything. You have nothing to back that up. There is not one factual piece of evidence that you should be backing the Giants the season that they had or saying that you deserve something when it comes to postseason. You deserve nothing. Come to the back of the line. We're there too. And we'll get ready for next year. Go quietly. No one wants to hear when you have had a bad year, no one wants to hear you squawking on the way out. Is that fair? And I can throw us in there, too. You don't hear, hear us doing it. Like, who are you to demand? Oh, we should. You should nothing. You are an embarrassment. You're lucky they're not com- complete. And I know a lot of fans, my giant friends, say clean the entire house out. They wouldn't even be interviewing any of the people they've been interviewing. Like, are you kidding me? Get this garbage out of here. This isn't championship worthy. My guy, Larry Kruger, is having Brian Sabian on, and Brian Sabian finally saying, oh, yeah, Bochy wasn't happy. Yeah, all this, oh, we're going to send him off. Get out of here. Now, I will say this. As Bruce Bochy told us when we had him on, when was the last time we had him on? We had him on 19 for an, uh, when it was something for ARF. When, yeah. With ARF, I think. Bochy had to go get right. We've had a couple people on to talk about it. Bochi had multiple, it was was it knee, hip, knee, both, something like that. I mean, he had multiple procedures. He was not doing well physically. And when you don't do well physically, you don't do well mentally. Bochi needed the time to go get surgeries, rehabs, and by fixing his body, it re-energized him and his mind. So if Bochi stays just with the Giants, it probably wouldn't been, it wouldn't have been good for him help. So it's kind of tough to say, you should have kept Bochi. Bochi needed to go fix his body to be able to get right. Oh, so there, it kind of worked out 
the way it worked out. And obviously, he's in a good place. But I'm serious. Giant, to our, to our giant friends, don't be squawking about anything. You, know, you deserve nothing. Nothing. I'll never forget last year at the winter meetings, uh, we were, my wife and I were out one of the first nights. And uh, it was the night at the bar where I ran into uh, one of the places where for dinner. We re- I ran into Derek Shelton, our good friend, the Pirates manager. Shelty. And uh, he was talking about how great he loved being on the show and all this stuff. And then we're walking out, and my wife goes, she looks at me, and she goes, hey, isn't that, uh, isn't that Bruce Bochy? All of a sudden, you see this towering presence walking in, and he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that is. I'm like, you can't tell any, you think everybody's Mike Traub, but you, can, but you know who Bruce Bochy is. It's a really big difference between Mike Trout and Bruce Bochy when it comes to a lot of things, but she's an Angels honk. I mean, so she thinks everyone's Mike Trout or Anthony Rendon. How's Trouty doing these days? You know the you know the thing people are trying to are. Someone shared like a side by side comparison now that how good Harper's doing in the postseason, and people are still like, stop trying. Someone had a graphic of it on on X. It was like stop comparing Trout and Harper. Like it was just showing how great Trout is and um, great he is great in regular season, but what what's he done in the po- postseason? Besides that, that one year, I think it's an interesting debate. I really think it's an interesting debate because there is something about staying with one franchise your whole career. There really is something about that that's special. And we are now conditioned to chase things. And we accept that. Years ago, we looked at that as a coward. Now, LeBron's taking his talents to South Beach. LeBron's taking his talents back to the land. LeBron's going to Hollywood, right? Chasing rings is not Kevin Durant going to the Warriors still and will always be one of the most gutless moves of all time. And I'm a Warriors fan, and I covered it. I lived it. You lived it. But come on, it was gutless. The same way when you join the Yankees, we can't win, so I'm just going to join the Yankees back in the day. It's gutless. Hey, Rod. It's gutless. So we wait. You have left, but the thing with baseball is you have less impact on the game in baseball as you do in basketball. I mean, basketball, you're truly chasing rings. Some people will say, well, that's what it's all about. Winning championships is all about. I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm just going to say, yeah. It means more to me to be the man, build the franchise around me, and win one than you just chase a bunch of rings, four, five, six. I will look more, I will look more on you with that one built around you than I will flip-flopping around the league and you getting four or five. It's fair, yeah. I mean, even like I know people – I, don't, I, I hope people don't think that about Brady when he left Tampa when he left New England to go to Tampa, chasing rings. Yeah, no one's going. Yeah, he went to chase a ring in Tampa. Tampa didn't even have a nationally televised game the year before he got there. Stop it. But seriously, we we're kind of in a new we're in a new area, right? Because we've never looked at people and greatness as ring chasers. Ring chasers have never been looked at as the great champions. Like when you say great champions all time, you don't go, 
Oh, yeah, that guy that, you know, Robert Ory won here and here and here. Do you never look at that guy? No one ever looks at greatness as, I'm just going to win championships, right? Bryce Harper left Washington, and then they won without him. That same year. (laughs) So it's like, and he still hasn't won a championship yet, right? I mean, you may hate the Astro guys all you want, but you really going to Bregman, Altuve, these guys? You're going to look down on Jordan Alvarez? I mean, these guys have built – these guys, they're not chasing, they're building. They're building something. So I just, until you show, I mean, I hate the sports talk. It's all about winning championships. Like guys who, people who are just fans who have never won a championship, they don't make millions of dollars. They now tell you the fans, and it's one of the reasons why I don't miss being in sports talk, is listening to fans give their opinion on something that they will never experience and never know. A, you've never played professional sports. B, you've never won a ring. You don't have millions of dollars. You have no idea, but you're telling me how it is. You have never expected, like we're talking about guy, Craig Breslow. How's he going to run? He's never run a team. That's a valid, but sports talk guy who's got a nine-to-five job is now going to tell me what it is in professional sports. I do not miss that. Because, frankly, we, we loved your calls and it helped with ratings and stuff, but reality is your opinion does not matter. It does not. Like, what is your opinion? Because you're a caller and you're a sports fan, you watch on television, you think you know what it means? I, I still think there's something that's special about playing one market, one time, and you go through the bad times. And you may never win. Tony Gwynn never won. Cal Ripken won one his, what was his first year. Never won again. But there's something special about playing your entire career in front of generations of fans. I still think that means something. I still think that's idea. Steph Curry never wins another title with the Warriors. I want Steph Curry to be here his entire career. I'd like Clay Thompson to be here his entire career. Everybody else? Draymond. He'll be here probably his whole career. I think Draymond plays somewhere else. Oh, wow. Yeah. We'll have to look at that down the road. Hot take! <laughs> uh, like as, as he gets older the, and more mouthier and less athletic. The Trout one's interesting. Did he, I just say that? But. Older, mouthier, and less athletic. Is that going to be what you want? You want more Adre? Hey, there's more. There's hey, you hey want, Warriors, hey Warriors. There's your bulletin board material. There you go. Yeah, put me up at the bulletin board. You're getting old. <laughs> You're getting old. Wait, who won the title? Uh, last year. Yeah. Uh, who did win the NBA title? They're up a mile high. Oh, the Nuggets. Nuggets. What what conference are they in? The West. Oh, wow. Who's in the uh, Western Conference Finals? Nuggets. And? Wasn't, was it Phoenix? Wasn't the Warriors? No. Oh, it was the Lakers. You do know age does not help long term. That's why you enjoy the runs while you got them. You enjoy the runs because guys get older. Joe Lacob's already setting you up by saying, stick with the Giants, man. Stick with the Giants. That's our neighbors. Stick with them. You don't think Joe Lacob knows? A couple years from now, that's him. 
Well, he knows their window's closing, and they went out and made the right move to this offseason, and they brought in 38-year-old Chris Ball. Oh, I'm actually see, fabulous. That, 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 you're just taking shots. I'm you're, actually no. I'm you're actually, taking cheap shots. I'm actually really fascinated to see how that that whole thing blends with the Warriors. But the reality is, and the Warriors are a great example. Where you drafted Steph Curry, where you drafted Klay Thompson, and where you drafted Draymond, Draymond Green, they all outperformed their draft. When you talk about getting lucky, Eno Saris, who's coming up next, always likes to talk about luck in baseball. People want to talk about luck. They lucked out. If you redrafted those drafts knowing the careers of Steph, Clay, and Draymond, do you think Draymond Green would have been a second-round pick? No. No. Do you, where was Clay picked? Was he? He was a first-rounder. I know, but where? Like eleven. You think? think he? You think he? You think he? You think if they redrafted that draft, he would have gone eleventh? Uh, no, he would have. You think if you knew Steph Curry was going to be a generational player, he would? He would have gone what sixth? He went. Was this? I thought he went ninth. Where did Curry go? Am I giving him too much credit here? I th- uh, Clay was eleven, like I said. Okay, eleven. Uh, Draymond, you said second round. It's second round. Steph Curry was drafted in seventh. Seventh. If you redrafted in all of those drafts, you think Steph Curry's going seventh? No. You think Clay Thomas going eleventh? No. And you think Draymond's going the second? No. I'm just. I have the draft. S- Steph would have been one in his own draft. Okay. So they clearly, we will all admit, they outperformed their drafts. You think the Warriors are going to – the Warriors got a gift. Call them smart, call them whatever you want. But they got a gift that they drafted these guys and they all outperformed their draft. Their big three completely outperformed their drafts. You think they're going to get that again anytime soon? And if they don't, guess what? That means you're not winning titles. Joe Lacob knows he's not far away. He can sit there and be braggadocious and you want to talk about a media that kisses somebody's behind. At some point, it's not going to be that way. Just it's how, how sports works. That's why you enjoy what you have. The Kevin Durant thing. I'm not wrong on that. Well, just to tie a bow on the whole thing about playing one one spot going to Trout, be interesting to see what happens with Trout this year if he ends up asking for a trade and wants out. I don't think he is. I think they're I think Trout said, I'm going to stay my career here. Now, if you think that making 400 and something million dollars living in Orange County and having your pad back in New Jersey, but spending your career in Southern California is a bad deal, I don't know, man. I don't know. He probably, what, lives like in Newport Beach or Huntington Beach? Trout doesn't have a bad life. And spending your whole career with one franchise, that's not a bad deal, man. That's not a bad deal. It's honorable, right? And if anybody said different, I'd say, well, well, wait a minute. Aren't we the fan base that we say we never keep our players? How could we judge that? We're the fan base that says we want that. We want to have a player start to finish. We've never had that. We want a guy to be drafted, raised, and retire as an A. We desperately want that. So why would we criticize Mike Trout for what we want? Yeah. But we are in the generation where everybody, you know, the sports talk guy goes, ah, Chase Rings. It's all about the rings. Chase Rings. Right? I still will say I'll take the guy that stays his entire career with one organization 
where generations, you're loved forever, right? Generations of fans love you. Because there's so many, when you play somewhere for 20 years, you know how many different human beings have watched you? I mean, generations. I'll take the one title. Yeah, I mean, you got to win a title, obviously. You want to win one. But I'll take the one title over a ring chaser any time. To be that one guy to bring the championship and you spent your whole career there, I'd take that for my career. I'd probably do the same. Let's face it, folks. Getting rings now, these guys never wear the rings. They basically, you'll take your four championship rings, put them in a box. They're in a safety deposit. <laughs> you pop champagne. One. Winning a championship in a city that you spend your entire career in versus hopping around, it's not the same. All righty. I, I, I really don't have anything else to add to it. I think I agree with you. Eno Saris, our national baseball columnist from The Athletic, his weekly hit right here on A's Cast Live. Time for the weekly installment of the Eno Sarah Show right here on A's Cast Live. Play the man's open. The Eno Sarah Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. I, I, I just, you know, looking at you, I just can't look at you the same. I mean, you know, I remember the first time we interviewed Jim Palmer and he came walking across the field to our set at the Coliseum. And I'm like, this is Jim Palmer. This is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. He's got one of the most beautiful heads of hair. I mean, this is jockey. I mean, you know, I, 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 it's like you and Jim Palmer. When I think of sexy <laughs> I underwear, I want to go buy new underwear. If people have no idea what I'm talking about, you're now an underwear model. That's right. So that's all on my Twitter bio. I, yeah, I did a, a, a fun little video with, uh, with Yvonne Rodriguez for sax underwear. And uh, we've got a, a, a way to win uh, underwear for life if you, if you check it out during the World Series. So a lot of balls. The ball the, rhythm. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of balls. A lot of talk about balls and uh, baseballs and balls talked yeah. about in your, uh, in your commercial. Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Yvonne was great. He's a really nice guy. Did you ever think that you'd be an underwear model? No, no, no. And even when they said it the first time, I, the, my first reaction was nope. And then, uh, <laughs> and then they they talked me down a little bit. They they said they wanted a uh, a Steve Kornacki type, a, a zany stats guy. And I said, well, that is me. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Watching it last night, you can follow uh, you know on Twitter. You can see it. it it's pretty hilarious. And you're doing it with uh, a baseball Hall of Famer. So there is a lot of legitimacy to it. <laughs> yeah. And, and some and some good uh, we're giving to the Testicular Cancer Foundation. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that uh, was really near and dear to, to Yvonne Rodriguez's heart. So, And you had a uh, modesty cup while you're doing this whole thing. <laughs> that's right. A little behind the scenes action. If you're on air uh, on TV, they give you what's called a modesty cup. It's like a little bra thing. It just keeps people from seeing all the details. Yes, very interesting. Well, you know, um, you're now a celebrity. I mean, you already were a celebrity, but now you're like, you're like, you're you're in a whole different universe now. You're gonna, this is a national television type deal that's gonna be all over social media. You're you're just you're a big deal now. Yeah, I'll, I'm. Uh, I, 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 I'll I'll remember everybody along the way. 
Well, remember this. I love the idea we were talking about the whole field work and doing a fantasy baseball thing. Mm-hmm. I, I I got some like like the winner we could give a a big field work package to. I yeah, field work where it's, you know we could give X amount of a case of beer or something like that. Mm-hmm. I I got some ideas for where I think we could have a huge Oakland A's, sure. A's cast live type type uh, fantasy league and field work be a big part of it. Yeah, we got to nail down the details on that. It sounds like a good idea. Could be good. All right. League championship series so far. What do you think? I'm glad that the Astros won last night because I'm in this, these playoffs have been a little bit short on sort of game seven, game five, you know, coming down to the wire, uh, uh, high leverage, big moments. Um it's not to say that there's been not been some clutch going on, but uh, it just feels like uh, it hasn't. The games haven't been close, and the series haven't been close. The, like the other series, seems like it's kind of almost done. That Arizona's got to win tonight. Yeah, and, and and but they're not even going to the table with uh, someone as good. So the Astros had to win last night, and they went to the table with Christian Javier, who's got. The ride back on his fastball, he looks back like he used to be, and he had an excellent game pushing a no-hitter into the the middle innings. Uh, I like Brandon Fott a little bit, but he's no Christian Javier, so they've got a a road to hoe there in Arizona. Yeah, and then they're going a, uh, we're just going to throw the kitchen sink at you on in game four. Yeah, and... You know, there's been some discussion about money and payrolls, and I think it does show up in moments like these because... If you uh, if you look at just like making the playoffs, there have been lower payroll teams that have made the playoffs. Yeah. But when you look at winning the World Series, uh, they've all been top ten payrolls. And I think you know something as simple as who's your game four starter is a a moment when you see what money can buy you. You know, who's your game four starter when you're the Arizona Diamondbacks and you relied on a bunch of young pitching to get where you are? It's a question mark. Who's your game four starter when you're the, the the Phillies? Not only do you have a guy, but you have two or three guys because you've got, you know, the guy behind the guy and the other guy. So, you know, you have a, a selection of arms that you can go to that are all started. I'll, I'll, gi- I'll give you a great example. How many teams, and I don't remember what he signed for. Taiwan Walker signed for 70-something million dollars. Right? I wasn't right. trying to change. He's not playing. He's like a professional cheerleader. Like, like he, he might be, he, he might pitch the fourth or fifth inning on, in, in game, you know, the next game, maybe. He, like if you watch, he never plays. I mean, he's totally involved. You see him up there on the dugout. He's like totally involved. <laughs> he would have he been the game three starter for Arizona. <laughs> yeah, like like this Philly just paid a guy seventy something million dollars, and he's not like there's not even thought. Like me even bringing up his name, I bet I bet a bunch of people went, oh, that's right, he's on. Like he's not. He's a seventy million dollar afterthought. How many teams it, have that luxury? And it takes it takes money. Also, you have to trade prospects that could become players that are cheap. You have to be able to do that to to get yeah. depth, like 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 expensive teams do. So the fact that they traded for Michael Lorenzen, who was in you know important for them down the stretch, who's not even on the playoff roster. It's even worse than Taiwan Walker. He's not even yeah. on the playoff roster. Uh, is that's the kind of depth where I think Arizona would be really happy to have Michael Lorenzen right now. So, uh, yeah, that, that's how it shows up. And I think that's, you know, game fours and fives. Uh, that's how you, uh, the depth shows, the money shows, the, the, the willingness to consider now over the future. That's when it shows up.
Philly hasn't won it yet. They're, 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 they still got to win this. Then, of course, win the World Series before we all start flipping out. Um, but obviously, when it comes to they got enough to get to the postseason, and then once we've talked about the slimming down, once the they start, once you once you're getting down to just their very best, because we are looking at the Atlanta Braves use 53 guys this year, let alone mm-hmm. the Angels using 66. Once we get down to the very very best. Philly's tough to beat. I was listening to a conversation last night from guys on uh, SNY in New York because obviously they're all befuddled. Hey, how do the Yankees and the Mets? I mean, look at can 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 you can you make can you make the can you do what the Phillies do? And I was really thinking about that today. That's my bad New York impersonation, by the way. Cheetah, <laughs> hey, we got Cheetah back. Uh, I don't think you can replicate what the Phillies are doing. I think it's a special moment that they have. They, as we mentioned, they got a lot of money. They'll sacrifice defense for bats. They, but they do got some mojo. I mean, they got the best winning percentage their home ballpark of any ballpark ever in the history of baseball. It's hard to rec- replicate something really, really special. But just from a roster construction, would you, if I put you in charge and you used your analytics and that wonderful? brain and body that's so gorgeous that you're now in underwear uh would you want to build a team like the philadelphia phillies one thing that i think that teams have been doing that the phillies almost copied because this is the best bullpen that dave dombrowski's ever put together he used to be a guy that just sort of figured out the bullpen it didn't he care need, as much he needed this in detroit yeah there were there were, i think there are titles in his past he could have won if he had a bullpen al, like al that. albuquerque is not walking through that door <laughs> right so <laughs> So and 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 if you you bring up the Yankees, the Yankees probably were one of the first teams to really push, you know, bullpen construction and put a lot of effort into it. And I think it started with as with as as crazy as how good Wetland was. Like it wasn't just Mariano; it was like Wetland was good too. You it's know, like one, yeah, they cared about the setup guy and the guy behind them in a way that other teams didn't. If you look at historical bullpen value. The Yankees beat almost everybody. Like they've had great back to Tony Larusa in the late '80s with the A's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so there's been this like identification that the bullpen really matters, and then having a great bullpen, especially in the in the in the playoffs, matters. So I don't think that's what the Yankees need. In some ways, um, I, I feel like the Yankees need a time machine because uh, Bryce Harper is this sort of. Not only is he uh, a good player um and, and and a leader but he's also a personality that they've all meshed around and if you look at just the major league uh the thing that they do at second base with the with the with the hands you know uh, if you look at uh their celebrations uh the things they yell at each other the things they call each other the the way they talk to each other it's all very Bryce Harper and the Yankees had a chance to to get him and they just thought Oh, he can't play first base for us or whatever, and 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 didn't think it was a a, a good choice. And if you look at the the sort of paths that diverge from that moment, uh, you know, it's gone a little bit worse for the Yankees and a little bit better for the Phillies since. But, um, you know, if, if you could, uh, if you think that Shohei Otani is, I don't think he is a Harper, but maybe he's a Yankee in that he's the kind of guy who goes to work. You know what I mean? He goes to work. Like he wants to win every game. He wants to win every moment. He wants to win every out. And so he's not going to be the Bryce Harper showman, but he might be the like lunch pail. We, everybody in this room is going to work as hard as Shoyotani does. Cause look at that guy. Just like look Marcus at what he's Simeon. doing right now. He'd be like huh? Marcus Simeon. 
Yeah, yeah. Look how hard he's working. Simeon, I think, yeah, I think he's doing something for the Rangers where it's like, you're not going to slack off. You know, one thing that that Tommy Pham said about uh, the Mets that was surprising when he left is he said, this is the least hardworking group of regular everyday players I've ever worked with. <laughs> and And when he left... Francisco Lindor said, thank you, Tommy Pham, for teaching me how to work harder every day. <laughs> so we've talked about this, you know, like, you know, your your leaders are your guys, you know. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not criticizing Aaron Judge's leadership. Uh, I don't really know that much about it. Um, I do know that, like, if you're out injured, it's kind of hard to be a leader. Like, I know I've, I've been in clubhouses enough to I know what I, I know what how people treat the injured leader you know what i mean it's like he's he's there he's part of the team but he's but give he harper credit like even when harper tommy john he's out he's still the dude he's still the dude but yeah. there are a lot of times when it's an awkward it's an awkward interaction because it's like well you can't help us tonight you know so don't yell at us you can't yell at us you're not you're not playing tonight you know <laughs> so yeah. like there is this weird sort of with the team, not with the team when you're injured long-term like that. But, um, you know, I, 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 if I was going to change the the Mets and the Yankees, uh, I would look at, at leadership to some point. Um, I, I would just try to make the team better. Honestly, though, the, 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 the postseason is, is, is fairly unpredictable. And so I don't want to learn overlearn from the Phillies. You know, do we know that the bullpen is good? Yes. Do we know that having good leaders is good? Yes. Um, and, and so I don't know. I don't know. Even the Phillies, you were mentioning, you know, taking bats over defense. They have spent the last sort of year, year and a half improving that defense. So they've been trying to get Cal Schwarber out of the field for like 18 months. And they finally did it with Johan Rojas, Brandon Marsh, you know, the different additions they've got. They've been pushing Cal Schwarber to DH, putting Harper at first after the elbow healed enough. That was the moment where you can finally put Schwarber uh, at DH. So I can feel uh, Cody. I can feel Cody right here to my right, going Christian Pache. Yeah, Pache. <laughs> I mean, that's the type of move. Why do they do that? Because they defense. they were trying to you know they're trying to prove the defense on the margins, trying to make it better. Getting Stott at second base instead of Segura. They, these are all like things they were, we're trying to start do. pitching. I mean, even Ranger Suarez. I mean, Nola, and then you go Wheeler. Wheeler's like historic. I mean, starters, bullpen, power. I think I mean, the Wheeler. I think the Wheeler uh, is an example that we've seen the Scherzer deal in Washington. Uh, the first Scherzer deal in Washington. Uh, there's there's been a few the Verlander deal. There've been a few deals where it really made sense to invest in, in, in a veteran starting pitcher. And so I think it's it's a fine line. You know, the Carlos Rodon deal. You know, doesn't look so Oof. good in the first year. Uh, you know, uh, Robbie Ray got hurt in his first year of his deal. Kevin Gossman deal looks pretty good though. So I, you know, I would try as a team to be like, how can we identify the good, the, the good starting pitcher deals? Because it is a gamble, but when you get one of those, that's, then you add the young guys who come up, but you still have Zach Wheeler and you're adding guys to him. You still have Max Scherzer as your leader and you're adding guys to him. I'm trying to figure out what universe I'm in. You're talking leadership. You're now writing articles about clutch. You're doing, <laughs> you're doing, you're a bikini model now. I mean, money ball. There's no such thing as clutch. The numbers say there's no say you're now writing about clutch. What, 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 what the well, hell is going on here? 
Well, no, see, I mean, the thing is, you know, sometimes people want to just like, you know, find a study and be like, no, you're wrong. They studied this. Here's the numbers. You're wrong. You know? And I think that's uh, unfortunate because, you know, collective wisdom gathered over years of playing the game can't be completely wrong. You know, there's like, there's gotta be something in there because that's something we've learned over time. And so, analyzing where the numbers and the collective wisdom are in most odds is actually a great place to start trying to like do something interesting in baseball. So for example, with clutch, you know, we can't demonstrate like, for example, Bryce Harper was number one in clutch this year, which is comparing your own work in at the end of the game or in high leverage moments against your other work. And that, and then if it's higher, if you know, you can be as high as twice as good in the clutch. Bryce Harper this year led all of baseball in clutch. He seems really clutch right now. You're like, he's totally clutch. Two years ago, he was 158th out of 170 in clutch. And that's just the thing that we see with clutch is that it goes year to year. It just goes up and down. It goes up and down. And it's really hard to identify any one person that's clutch. And I, I have two thoughts about this. One, um, the people we're looking at in the major leagues – if you're if you're convinced, oh, I played high school, I played college, I know clutch exists because I saw I saw it on my team. Well, think about that team, and the guy that you think is clutch is probably the best player on that team. So he's the best player on that team, and he was clutch. Guess what? The major leagues is made up of only those guys. Only those guys made it to the major leagues. Nobody else on that team made it. We got even close. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. You know, when you're looking at the major leagues, you're already looking at the most clutch guys. Now, are some more clutch than others within that? Maybe. But in terms of like being totally unclutch, how do you get to the major leagues? You had to go to the minors. You had to do you had to play D1. You had to be you had to be under the lights. You know, like you can't be totally unclutch and, and make it in the major leagues. That's my pet theory. But the other theory, the other thing that I have is that Brett Phillips told me at the uh, at the uh, Coliseum. Maverick. That uh, Brett Phillips told me that if you could put a heart monitor on us and t and and test clutch that way, if you could f look at our our physiological responses to stress, you would yeah. find that people have very different responses. And that I believe because I am not that good in like my kid cuts himself or whatever, or like he breaks a bone. I'm like, like I'm like, go, we got to like get in the car. We got to go. You know, like, I'm like, I, I'm like, All you know, you're not clutch. My, my, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, you know what? It, it, it's like stress tests, right? Yeah. Like they'll put all the different things on you for the stress. Yeah, test. I did the stress test. Yeah. And if yeah. you have a heart attack or whatever, I mean, there's, there's things that we know that in life, certain people deal with stressful situations differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's like the other day we were talking about intensity. You know, people, the way people can lock in and be laser focused when things yeah. are more intense, like we're dealing with human beings in the end. Right. And everybody's different. Everybody's wired different. So, as you said, these are made up of all the greatest players or the top point zero one percent of whatever it is. So they've all been dominant. They've all been good. But now it's like who really is good out of that? And we always just want to look at skill set. Right. I throw harder. I run faster. I hit it further. But there is something inside games that certain guys perform better in the stressful situations. That's why you have a Tom Brady. That's why you have a Joe Montana. That's why you have a Michael Jordan. It's like they're never overwhelmed by the moment. Yeah. And that's yeah. something you can't put into numbers. Now, I, I agree with Maverick. Like, 
What is your resting heart rate? What is your that change? Like, you know, what are the neurons and stuff going on in your brain compared to the guy who's up at the plate going, Oh God. <laughs> what? I mean, like cortisol oh. is a cortisol is a stress hormone that we, that we exude when we're in stress. And like, you know, I think that different people, you know, have different amounts of that or have different reactions to cortisol in their system. Yeah. And so there's like a hormonal thing too there where it's like we 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 have a stress hormone and how we react to that. When I look at Manny Machado, like he looks like he's got ice ice in his veins, you know, every time he looks the same every time when he comes to the play. It doesn't matter what the game situation is. Harper is actually a little bit different. I don't think that he's exactly the same every time, but he seems to rise the occasion where it's like he, you know, it's almost like Cassiano said, I'm not that great during the regular season at defense because I'm bored. <laughs> and so in the postseason, he's a little bit better because he's paying attention. I get a little bit of that with Harper where it's like, you know, I, I don't know, game 131, you know, first A B, maybe I'll I'll strike out and you know, it'll be fine or whatever. But you know, October, you know, game three of the NLCS, like I'm going to be there 1000%. And it's going to be would good actually, for my game. If we could actually do like a real study, like a science and whole thing and like really go back and, and put stuff, monitors on players and stuff. Cause like right now, Jose Altuve has played in so many, Derek Jeter played in so many postseason games. I'd like to go back to the yesteryears, a Reggie Jackson, a George Brett, guys that had, you know, you did play in so many different rounds, and it wasn't so easy to get to the postseason, but they they had a good sample size uh -huh. of playing in the postseason. Why were they so successful in the postseason when it was so hard to get there, and when you got there, the magnitude of being there was so big, and why they were so successful and other guys, most guys and, are not. And and aren't they weren't they kind of different? It's a little bit it's a little bit early for me, but it, as I remember it, George Brett was a little bit more intense. Oh, he was kind of an intense and he was, player. I mean, he, 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 on a triple in the ALCS in whatever year that was 77 or 76, he slides into third base. Nettles kinds of kicks him. He gets up and throws a haymaker at Nettles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they all started rumming around. Then they broke it up and just started playing again. And they didn't kick anybody out. I love it. And then, uh, <laughs> Nobody got fine, but that's kind of how George Brett. Well, that's how they played, right? And wasn't Reggie Jackson more smooth and like more Manny Machado esque, like just sort of like chill and Reggie, like Reggie was about the magnitude. Reggie was the moment. Reggie was the Reggie was not a stoic. Reggie was a star. Like uh -huh. Reggie, Reggie was the moment. So more like Harper, like you yeah, know, Reggie was the, the moment. moment guy. Like just like, and it's interesting because Kirby Puckett had his moments. It's really tough to go back yesteryear because you didn't make the playoffs as much as other guys did, but well, Mark Lemke always had good playoffs, but I was like, he's not good. So <laughs> it was a weird yeah, one for me. Like the star players that rise up and do well, like Hank Aaron had a monster series against the Yankees back in the day <clears> with <throat> the, uh, with the Braves. It's like, yeah, I think we could go back and like, put monitors on these guys and see what they were going through yeah. compared, to, compared to what the competition was going. I think through. samples a big part of it, not only because we just don't have enough results to even know, but like, I remember Barry Bonds growing up, everyone said he wasn't clutch. He, he couldn't play in the postseason, all this stuff. Yeah. And then I remember in 2002, he just ran all through the playoffs. I mean, he destroyed the Atlanta Braves 
And it's funny how our memory works too, because we remember things that have emotions attached to them. So I was in the stands for that Braves series. And I thought uh, it, the way I remembered it, Barry Bonds walked the Braves off twice in that series. I went back and looked at the numbers. He just hit a couple homers. He didn't do any hit any walk off homers. But you know, our memories, our memories are, are tricky like that too. But the other thing is, um, you know, not only does sample for knowing the results matter, but you know, I think these guys calm down. You know, it's like you know, maybe the very first playoff playoff plate appearance you have, maybe you are a little bit, you know, like whoa, this is a big deal. But like, if you start like playing it, like Derek Jeter had 738 plate appearances in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, like, at some point you're just like, "Yep, I'm here again." <laughs> well, that, it, it, that it is it is the one thing that we're trying to always find the answers to. But it's the one thing, like it's the mental side. What's somebody thinking? How are they feeling? Their brain? How do they process the information? Everybody's different at that, and that's one that that's like the final frontier in sports is how do we figure out what you're really thinking and how do you deal with stress and how do you deal with all of that? Now, if we would have in that Atlanta series and in that time with the Giants in the 2000 and on, when Bonds is in the postseason, we start testing him. We may have found different things than. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, but I like like the I like the idea the jet the, the piece that I wrote today. <laughs> I like the idea about um, like sort of going past this first level of analysis. So you know when you look at batter versus pitcher, people talk about oh this guy's you know six for ten against this guy he owns him right. Now you look at you try to look at that mathematically and you say that's meaningless. That's 10 at bats. This guy has played, you know, 2000 at bats. Those 2000 at bats are so much more important than what he's done in 10 at bats against this pitcher, you know. I'm not putting I'm not putting a no bat guy out there cuz he has three singles against Aaron Nola. You know what I mean? Like like don't make decisions like that. That's what the math says. But the 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 most advanced teams now are doing stuff where they're like breaking you into biometric, you know, analysis. So they're saying your hips do this, your shoulders do this, your, your elbows do this in your, in your swing. Right. And they can actually now start to say you're, you are the guy you do this and this and this in your swing biomechanically. And that is good against sliders, but bad against fastballs, but good against change. You know what I mean? Like they can, they can link the way your body moves to how you might fare against certain types of pitches, certain shifts. Yeah, you know? I like that. Yeah. And so we are going to find that some batter versus pitcher stuff does matter, but we're going to find that it's not because you went three for 10. It's because you, uh, your, your, your bat is like adjustable through the zone, you know? And so you, you have a real ability to like drop that bat head when you're wrong, you can guess wrong and you can drop the bat head and still get to the bat to it, you know, whereas yeah. other guys, have more rigid shoulders and just bring the bat through or whatever it is. And so as teams are getting better at that, they are modeling batter versus pitcher. So batter versus pitcher does matter, but just saying a guy's like three for 10, we like, we just need to get beyond that. And, and then we will find that there are batter versus pitcher matchups that we can actually model and figure out. Cause the dumbest stuff in the world and it drives me nuts. It's a pet peeve. In 2007, I got this note here about the D-backs. In 2007, <laughs> the D-backs ran into a buzzsaw in the NLCS against the Red Hot Rockies. Dating back to that series, the D-backs have lost six straight LCS games being outscored 33. To 
None of these human beings were around. It doesn't matter what happened in 0701. And what you're talking about, if you say, hey, this guy's got three hits off this pitcher. He hasn't faced him in four years. What do you? Oh, when he was a rookie, when he when he first came up, you know. I like... saw him in Puerto. I had a hit off him in Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What? And even even the, the dumbest thing is like even as the sample increases and people are like, well, he's actually six for twenty two. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot. Well, those twenty two are spread out, like you're saying, and so it's like. Was it Aaron Nola when he was a rookie? Was it Aaron Nola that year when he had like, you know, two miles per hour less on his on his fastball? Was it yeah. like last night they said Michael Brantley, six for 22 against Max Scherzer. And it's like, which Max Scherzer? There have been like a what lot of year? Max Scherzers. This was, one? Was Brantley an Indian? Not a guardian, an Indian at the time? Right. Was it the Tigers Scherzer? Like <laughs> there's been a lot of different Scherzers, you know? <laughs> So like Cleveland against Detroit. What are you talking about? Like how, why does that matter now? Why do I care? The Michael Brantley himself was way younger then. That was like a nice young Michael Brantley. You think this old Michael Brantley against this old Max Scherzer is exactly the same as before? You've almost played as much as Michael Brantley has the last two years. I know. Yeah, right. Like a hurt right? Michael Brantley, nonetheless. Uh, all but, right. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it, you know, and the same thing with the one thing I was thinking of when you were talking about teams is like he this guy loves the facing the Rangers. He's like, you know, has a 300 batting average against the Rangers. The Rangers, which Rangers? This Rangers, last Rangers, the Rangers when they were bad five years ago. Like that's that's even worse. I, I don't know whether to congratulate you as everything's going great with the athletic or as now a model now. I I, <laughs> I what is your career like where what what is the most important part of your career right now? I might have to go to Handsome Boy Modeling School and uh, and and work a little on uh, on on my uh, my blue steel gaze. We should be like, who's Fabio? <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on that! It's pretty cool. When I saw that, I'm like, hey, someday you're gonna be looking at your kids, going, you know, that guy, that guy's a Hall of Famer. I'm in my underwear <laughs> with a Hall of Famer. That's a big deal. My kids now are like. Why are you in your underwear, Dad? <laughs> You're the Jim Palmer of the athletic. How about that? One kid was like, why are your legs so white? And I was like, well, I, I don't really tan them so much. Because <laughs> I live where I live. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I wear pants. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Claim is outro. <laughs> Eno Sarah's show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Talk to you next week. Yeah. The great Eno Saris. All right, that's going to do it for A's Cast Live. Thank you for watching. Thank you to Luis Gonzalez. Great career. Always awesome to have him on. An ambassador and a broadcaster now for the D-backs as they're tied scoreless in the fourth inning. I didn't realize that game was that deep. We got to go watch this. Go D-backs. And, of course, thank you to Eno Saris. We'll be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock, to wrap up what happened in these games. And the great Doug Glanville. Correct, calling these games. Who's been calling these games for ESPN will join us. So we'll see everybody tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday.
This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Innovation is at the core of Cal State East Bay, like at our Green Biome Institute, where faculty and students preserve genetic information from California's endangered plants, or how we open doors for local entrepreneurs at our Small Business Development Center. From educators to nurses to STEM professionals, Cal State East Bay has real impact throughout the region's neighborhoods, boardrooms, and the entire economy. Be part of the innovation. Connect with Cal State East Bay at csueastbay.edu forward slash impact. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.